and welcome to the Path of Most Persistence. This is a place where we hear and share tenacious stories of overcoming obstacles with our partners who dare to share a bit of their own personal paths. We hope that these stories will provide inspiration, motivation, and illumination for all those who join us. Today is Monday, November 22nd, 2021, and we are thrilled to have Orlando Carrillo as our guest. Orlando is a senior at Palacios High School, where he is in the top 10% of his class. He's highly active and accomplished, and was recently accepted into Harvard's Pre-College Research Institute as a social studies student. He is in the process of visiting universities, trying to find the best fit to support his efforts to meet his goals. Orlando, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Dr. Segovia. Um, it's been a good day. I've been doing some tours at around A&M, and I'm happy to be here. I'm really uh, happy. I'm so, so happy you're here, too. And from what I understand, you're here with your WIT sponsors, uh, WIT meaning Workforce Industry Training. That's correct. an NPI program. Um, I believe that's Mr. Chris Page and Ms. Stephanie Busby. Correct. And a few other of your WIT members. Yes, Excellent. So did you all have a, a fun day planned? What what was your activity uh, look like today? Well, it was a really active day. Yeah. We started day having breakfast at the A&M Hotel and Conference Center. It was good. Uh, it was it was good. I did like it. <laughs> and is this your first time to College Station this to visit f- Texas A&M? Yes, this is my first time here. Very, very So nice. everything's new. Everything's really interesting. And uh, excellent. I'm just taking pictures everywhere. It's <laughs> it's amazing. Well, that's wonderful, and that's what we would hope and expect from those that visit us. But I am so glad you're here, not only because you're visiting and hopefully you'll be very interested in coming back as a student, <laughs> but I just want to talk about the first time we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met not very long ago, and that was at the SOS event in Bay City Correct. that Palacios High School helped host, mm-hmm. um, and you were there. But what I like to do at a lot of our activities, uh, especially when a school sponsors or hosts them, I like to ask our teachers that we partner with to really point out students that they want me to meet because time is so precious and I wish I could meet (laughs) everyone and have conversations with everyone. But uh, usually the time is short. And uh, Mr. Page and Ms. Busby both said, you need to meet Orlando. (laughs) And I said, really? Okay, so where is he? And uh, I'll try to get to him, but what do I need to know about him? And both of them said, uh, in two different occasions, but basically the same thing, they just said, just just go talk to him. You'll find out about Orlando. He has an impressive backstory <laughs> of how he arrived at Palacios High School. And just, just learn a little bit about him. So what were they talking about, Orlando? Well, when I was... 15 years old, I made the decision to move to, United, to the United States from Mexico. So tell me tell me about that. You were born and raised. You lived in Mexico up until that point? Yes, I did. I lived in Mexico till, I was, till that age, till I was 15. I was mm-hmm. raised there in the city of Celaya, Guanajuato. Yes. And yes, some, okay. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Well, I think there's a whole lot that can't just well, be it. <laughs> that's but, not it. <laughs> so just to get us to the point, mm-hmm. because to to be 15 years old and to decide to come to a different country, there has to have been a lot of thought, planning, decision-making. 
So what I'm really interested in knowing, what was that? What was your experience to to get you to that point Mm -hmm. where you would leave your home country and go to a new country? Well, it was really interesting. After several years in Mexico, after going to school there, I found out that what I wanted to do and what I wanted to become would not really work there. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that I was getting, you know, enough opportunities there was not enough support so do I you mean I'm sorry do you mm-hmm. mean like educational or support just around you within family oh friends, no 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 educational yes totally okay. educational oh, okay opportunities are really scarce mm. scholarships uh, uh, service activities anything mm. like that it's it's really hard to find mm-hmm. no I, I always receive a lot of support from my family yes and, you know that that was an important factor into the moving process right so i got a little disillusioned at the mexican public school system yes i was feeling a little disappointed and i realized that i i needed more right i wanted to get more because i knew that i could get more yes so one day i just said you know what i'm moving to the united states goodness well orlando are you just saying that makes me think Maybe some other teenagers or students your age probably have thought the same things. I'm disappointed in my school. <laughs> my school isn't what I want it to be. I'm disappointed. I'm disillusioned. But so many of them do not decide to leave their country. So, again, I just ha- I'm just so intrigued by that has to take a lot of, of thought, mm-hmm. um, planning perhaps, yes, um, and discussions because – you you lived with your family? Yes. And that's a, your family. Would that be your parents, siblings, my parents, grandparents? Yes, my parents uh, and my sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I lived with them. And, you know, it wasn't that hard of a – it wasn't hard to make that decision. That really? was more like the logical thing to do. I don't have opportunities here. I'm moving away. But, you know, it is easier said than done. <laughs> yes, I would imagine. It, w- it requires some planning. We con- contacted some family we have here so that okay. I could live with them and arrange some papers. Yes. Um, who would, you, who, you know, who would become my guardian. Yes. It was a long bu- bureaucratic process. Yes. And, you know, it was, it was mentally stressing. I'm sure. Uh, it, was, it was stressing to start the idea of having to leave everything I knew behind. Mm-hmm. That was... That was a hard pill to swallow. So you came by yourself, then you did not come with your parents or siblings, but you came to live with family. Yes. Okay. And the, and for those listening, because obviously that whole topic of of immigration, people moving, um, you know, many people have um, strong opinions on it one way or another mm-hmm. uh, in most cases. But for the case for this situation, mm-hmm. for our discussion. You, you went through the process. You mm-hmm. went through the process that you needed to go through so that uh, you, you would not find trouble yes. when you arrived. Yeah. That's, that's good. And I only even bring that up because I know some of our listeners might be thinking, well, what did Orlando do? And I would never want to not address that topic mm-hmm. and uh, leave their room to be suspicion about you. So oh, no, I just no. <laughs> want to reassure anyone that's listening that you went through the appropriate processes. Yes, I did. Well, good for you. You know, uh, actually, funny thing, uh, 
my parents were on vacation here in the United States when I was born. Yes. So um, I'm a natural citizen by those standards. So it oh, was, it I was, see. yeah, it was a lot easier than, you know, following the. So the decision to leave home had to have been emotionally difficult. It had to be uh, not only for you, but for your family. There had to have been a lot of planning. But earlier you mentioned that you know, the disillusionment with school and mm-hmm. the whole academic side of things. Your decision to leave home, to go, to come to the U.S., was it because you already realized your academic potential, you knew what you had to offer, or you were hoping to discover something more, some kind of academic talent? I believe that it was a combination of all of those. I had, I was aware of my abilities. I knew that I could, I could do whatever I put myself to do. Uh, regardless of the lack of opportunities, I always managed to participate, to be active in school, to go to contests, speech contests. I, I even went to some math contests. I, uh, I, I think I reached the, the state, uh, the state stage, and my first year participating. Also, you know, the we have this the juvenile knowledge Olympics. Uh, I was chosen to participate in that, yes. and I got all the way to the national stage. So I knew I was capable. Yes. I knew I could do it. However, uh, as I grew up, that lack of, of opportunities became more, it became more visible to me. And it see, and with that visibility mm-hmm. of realizing that you don't have the, obstacle, uh, the opportunities you want, it seems that that would be so frustrating too. It was truly frustrating not receiving support from school or from the government or anything, yeah. just scrambling for, you know, the rests of whatever yeah. remained. Yeah. It was frustrating. It was hard. And I did know that I could do a lot more well, if I only received a little bit more support. And I think I think that's huge because, Orlando, how old are you? I'm 17. So when you started having these feelings, these frustrations, these dreams of doing more, being more, about how old are you when you first, as far as you can first recall, those thoughts, ideas? Huh. I've always been really critical and, um, you know, I love talking about those things for my whole life. I think that my mom was the first person that got me into that, but when I first got those real thoughts, those real critical and objective thoughts, was I was around 14 or 15. Okay, and and that is really impressive in itself because so many young people, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> uh, they're not that self-aware. <laughs> that That is a, a tremendous uh, talent, a trait that, that you would have at that age. But just that whole uh, awareness of that you had more, that you could do more, Mm -hmm. that's significant because, again, at at that age, so many students at that age, just because of, you know, peer pressure and the stages of development, they don't have that uh, awareness about them. So you mentioned your mother, Mm -hmm. uh, that she seems to have a lot, a whole lot of self-awareness. Yes. So do you think it was a bit of nature versus nurture, that she was nurturing you in that way, but maybe that's also part of your uh, your personality? 
I do think that I had really good teachers for that. Yes. Start my mother from a young age. She made me to start. I've always loved reading. She she introduced me to reading. So from that I could read and develop develop my own ideas and discuss with her. But then when I was 14, 15, I, I don't actually remember. I, it was around that age. I met uh, Mark Solbeck, who was one of my English teachers. Yes. In the University of Guanajuato uh, English courses. Yes. He was a really unique person. <laughs> and he was the first person to formally introduce me to both the critical thinking yes. as a more hard skill and uh, rhetoric. And, and it sounds like he was a mentor as well. He was totally a mentor. I believe that he's been one of my most important influences to this day. Are you still in contact with him? Yes, we, uh, we're still in contact. Oh, that's good. That's good. He must be so very proud of you. <laughs> uh, before we get too far mm -hmm. into your story and the conversation, I want to go back to your mom. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, just that she it sounds as though she provided what a wonderful example of yes. a lot of the things. It seems as though that you're uh, really sharpening your skill set <laughs> and your characteristics. But you mentioned her reading to you and that reading brought about a lot of ideas. Yes. I think, uh, maybe it's perhaps because I'm a mother, mm -hmm. maybe perhaps because I'm an educator, I started off being a first grade teacher, um, words <laughs> and, and reading. And maybe part of the reason why I really wanted to have this podcast, it's to hear people's words, <laughs> to hear their stories. Um, for educators, for people that are mm -hmm. academically minded, words mean a lot. Words are more than words, right? <laughs> right. Um, so what about it when, before you could start reading, what was it about your mother reading to you, those ideas? What what was that for you, that time with her reading? Mm. It, wasn't real, it wasn't so good at, at first. Yeah. My mom has always understood the importance of education, of that kind of upbringing. So she made me work on it since a really early age. And mm -hmm. at first I didn't like it. But, hmm. Is it because she just saw what your ability or she just had dreams for you, hopes for you? That maybe she was a bit, was, was it she just challenging you? She just demanding a little bit hard on you, trying to get you to... She was really demanding, yeah. but she was always fair. Yes. She didn't ask me to do things that she didn't think I could do. Right. And she was always, it was a weird combination between being strict and being very lovable because my mom is very lovable. So <laughs> <laughs> That's the challenge of being a parent, yeah. you know, finding that balance of being strict and lovable. Yeah. She could be a maniac sometimes <laughs> with education, <laughs> but yeah, it was that perfect balance she could always achieve. And I do believe that she she did see some abilities in me that could be developed. Well, I think uh, I commend your mother for that and, and her finding that balance because I think <laughs> for so many, uh, not only mothers but fathers too, there's you're always trying to find that balance because yes. you want to bring out the best in your children. You want them to maximize their skill sets and to grow, but you also want to be loving and nurturing and make them feel all the warm fuzzies that a parent <laughs> yeah. But I, I thank you for just going on that little path with me about reading and words because, mm -hmm. uh, again, I 
think that goes back to the whole purpose of having this podcast because words are so important in hearing people speak their words. There was a quote I came across a long time ago, mm-hmm. and it went something like, um, words are powerful. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called spelling, <laughs> because those words cast spells. And that's always stuck with me because it's so true. And and that was never more evident with my own children Mm -hmm. and also when I was on campuses working with young people. So I appreciate you bringing up your mother uh, and reading. But, you know, making that going back to your decision to leave. So when you decided to leave, all the planning, all the adjustments that you've had to make, the preparation, the Mm -hmm. paperwork, you landed in Palacios. Did you go straight to Palacios when you moved to the yes. U.S.? Yes. Yes. That was my first choice. And you were what grade? When I you was. Arrived? I was a sophomore when I first got here. And what was that about? So y- your first day at PHS. Uh, what was that like for you? It was really sudden. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I can say. Uh, my parents and I, we went to the school to talk to the counselor about it and, you know, turn in my paperwork. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it was a Friday. Yes. And I was expecting to go back on Monday and, you know, get prepared mentally. Yes. And the counselor said, you know, Orlando, why don't you stay here? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was so scared. You were not prepared I to was, go to school that day. You I just was, enrolled. <laughs> I was not prepared for that <laughs> because that was actually my first time in a completely English-speaking environment. Yes. I have been learning English for the last nine years of my life, prior to that, but still, just getting submerged into this whole new world by myself. Yes. That was really, really scary. Uh, Not only scary, but that has to be exhausting, too, because you're totally having to change um, the, your language yes, and how you think about that language because were you as proficient in English then as you are now? I had a pretty solid level but definitely not as now. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah. I did learn a lot in the last uh, three years. So that day, counselor says, go ahead and stay and I think that was Counselor Garcia? Counselor Garcia, that's right. Ira Garcia, very good. I know her, she's excellent. So she came up with a, a full day schedule for you? Yes, she did. And you went into what class first? My first class was Ms. Wallam's World History. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. that was really a fun class. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of my accent until that moment. <laughs> which, How did you become aware of that? So I would, <laughs> I would just speak yeah. and people would, you know, laugh. But not in a mocking way, but yeah. more like, oh, that's that's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't understand what was going on until until Ms. Wilhelm told me, oh, I just love your your little Mexican accent. <laughs> and, and yeah, that was a part of my English learning process. I'd, it makes you um, gives you a whole nother set of awareness levels that totally. you never you thought you were self aware, <laughs> yes. right? Until you're in a new surroundings, new location. Yeah, it was. It, it was it was a it was an exhausting process at first, and you know, become, suddenly becoming aware of so many other things. Yes. Of this new culture, of this uh, having to adjust my brain to a new language, S- such as. Besides the language, yes. what, what other aspects of the culture? Well, to start, um, it 
schools are totally different from in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we have projectors, we have gyms, we have posters on the walls. Facilities and technology. Facilities and technology. Yeah. In Mexico, sometimes we don't even have windows. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, you know, that wow factor to me. Mm-hmm. That was overwhelming at first. And then, you know, having to move to one classroom to another, not knowing oh, where I was going. Yes, yes. Having to talk to people when I had never talked to people, you know, to native English speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing the whole, my whole si- day cycle, uh, my schedule, that was, everything was new. Absolutely. It was a whole new world to me. Was there anyone there? Uh, in probably in in the town, mm-hmm. there probably were people you knew. But there at school, was there anyone you knew that you could talk to just when you were feeling a little overwhelmed when you first started? Not at the beginning. Okay. I did have some friends. I had uh, this girl named Ruth. She mm-hmm. became my friend. She also came from Mexico, which you know was a relief knowing that I was not that alone. <laughs> yes. And this girl twin, she was a. Uh, Vietnamese immigrant as well. Mm-hmm. She, her English was just like mine, so yes. we could learn from each other, and that was a relief. But I didn't really have anyone to talk for the first few months. Oh goodness! So speaking to that, and I guess just going back to the the whole point of us being here, mm-hmm. it's you know finding that path of most persistence. Yes. That took a lot of persistence just to get you to this point, much less getting through the first day of school. Yeah. But I I cannot help but feel mm-hmm. fear when you're telling some of your stories. I fear. I feel fearful at just the, the prospects of having to endure some of the things that you've endured. So, so tell me how you have been able to persist. Tell me how you've dealt with fear or being unsure or insecure, but still finding the strength, the persistence to make your way through to meet your goals and to continue. Because you've now been there, this is your third year? Yes, this is my third year. So let's talk about that. Well, it is an ability that I have been working on for the last, since I became (laughs) self-aware, basically. Uh, I've been through some really heartbroken moments seeing my parents drive away for the first time, leaving me behind, that was surely heartbroken at first. Yes. But I think that I can always try to focus on what I have to do. Yes. On simply not giving up. How do you pick yourself back up? I mean, watching your parents drive away or not having anybody to really talk to in a school where you're not alone, but you're lonely. How do you how do you get up every day to do something like that? And I'm asking you not to focus on the pain that you went through, mm-hmm. but to share your strength because that that's took tremendous courage, Orlando, and strength that many adults can't even muster. So where does that come from? Is that something that you've always kind of had within you or is that something that you just feel some people get it because, or they, they develop it, or they, they pull from the well of just being so grateful mm-hmm. that they finally got into a situation, yes. or is it because you think, my parents did this for me? I mean, what what re-strengthens you? When you're depleted, mm-hmm. when you're fearful, you're scared, you're exhausted, you're upset, 
where do you go back to strengthen yourself? There are several things I, I usually think about. First up, I believe that I, be, uh, that I have really defined objectives. I know that I have a mission, that I have something to do, and I stick with it. And I continue, and whenever I start to stray off a little bit, I just think of my mission, of what I want to do. What is your mission? Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. What is your mission? Do you have a statement, or is it just an overall general goal for your mission? Well, my mission is to make the world a better place, to help people, to be able to make it up, to make our time here a nicer one by helping others, and of course by self-improvement, but that would be my mission, to make the world a better place. And I've stuck with it for all my life, and I try to help, and whenever I start getting sad, or when I start having trouble, or when I simply don't feel really good, I just think, Orlando, you have a mission. And I stick to it and go back to it. Well, I want to remind you that your mission today is being accomplished. (laughs) Just you spending this time with me in this podcast, in this booth, to share your story, that is going to uplift people. That will strengthen other people, and hopefully their strength will help you to regain your strength. (laughs) But... We're going to have to wrap up very soon, although, Orlando, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> Seriously, I could, and maybe we'll have you back. Hopefully, when I would you love become, to. Hopefully, when you uh, are an Aggie student, we can have you back. But um, regardless, we'd mm-hmm. love to have you back. But as we close out today, mm-hmm. I just want to know what can your educators back home do for you and other students? What can we at the university level do for you, for other students, to make it easier for students to find their mission, to stay on their mission, and complete their mission? I would say believe in us. Believe in our, in our, in our dreams, in our goals, and help us achieve them. Even though, we, you know, we may fail, we may not do it right the first time, because I think that's a really important part. Even though we may fail sometimes, we can always get up. We can always go back to work. We can always get stronger and try again and try again. And no matter how many times you fall face first into the floor, you can always get up. And I think that's a really important thing. Making people understand, helping students know that failure is acceptable. And that it's not only acceptable, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. But that's not what matters. Failure doesn't matter. What matters is getting up. It's becoming better. It's following your mission and understanding that. I think that's that's the most important thing in life. I I have to agree. And um, you saying all the things that you said just reinvigorates me. It makes (laughs) me feel stronger about our mission not only as an organization, but me personally. And I want you to know that I believe in you. Our organization believes in you. Everyone that is supporting you today and throughout all your journeys believe in you and all the students that follow you and are with you because that's why we do the things we do is because we believe in students and educators to help students find their way. So with all that Mm -hmm. being said, we're going to wrap up. 
And as we do, is there anything else that you would like to, to say to our listening audience before we close up? Understand that failure and hardship are essential parts of life. They will happen at some point or another. But we can always get up, try again, and become better, Thank no you. matter what happens. Thank you, Orlando. And I don't think I could have closed that out any better. Thank you for not only sharing your story. We'll have to have you back so you can share more of it. I would love to be back. Thank you for motivating me, everybody in the room, and also everyone that listens. So to our audience, I hope if you haven't heard this entire story that you take the time to listen, to re-listen, to share. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful testament to someone that is determined. Now, we all hope that not only you listen to this story and all of our other chats through the path of most persistence, but I hope you all, like Orlando, find your mission. Believe in students. Believe in people around you. And remember, failure isn't failure. It's only an opportunity to get stronger. Have a great day.